Narciss Dren and the Cursed Coffin by Narciss Dren, Treasure Hunter. Ah, devoted reader, back for another tale of the amazing Narciss Dren? Of course you are. Why else would you be here right now, holding this exceptionally crafted tale? Let's get to it, shall we? I was investigating an ancient Nord Barrow, searching for the glittering garters of Gwenild the Gauche, or something along those lines, when I stumbled upon an ominous lever that opened a hidden door. Now, I wasn't exactly sure what the lever was going to do when I pulled it, but you know my motto, leave a lever, lose a lord. Trust me, it makes a lot more sense in the original Aliadune. A hidden door slid open when I activated the lever, revealing a secret room that had thus far eluded even the most determined tomb robbers. Tomb robbers, by the way, tend to be reticent when it comes to pulling ominous levers. That's why Narciss Dren is better than they are. It's all about the bravery. The secret room was a spacious affair, full of funeral finery and relics from a forgotten age. One item that stood out was a ring of pure iron, covered in Nord runes. It was probably small for a Nord's thick fingers, but it seemed nearly large enough to fit upon my elven wrist. I slipped the ring into my pack and turned to examine the rest of the chamber, immediately noticing the massive sarcophagus placed strategically in the center of the room. It was all carved stone with inlaid jewels and Nord runes that matched those decorating the iron ring. Obviously, this was the final resting place for an important Jarl, King, or even a Dragon Priest. My mind boggled at the possibilities of what awaited inside the stone coffin. But I have learned from experience never to reach blindly into the honeypot. Instead, I carefully studied the sarcophagus, looking for any noticeable traps. When a visual inspection failed to reveal anything out of the ordinary, I began to gingerly examine the seam where the great stone lid met the deeper casket. Using my handy collection of picks and probing rods, I tested the entire circumference of the lip of the lid. Nothing. Is that when I finally hefted the lid to peer inside? Not so fast, devoted reader. I had one more investigation to make before I opened the tempting sarcophagus. I had to study the intriguing runes that covered the lid. I suspected they dated back to at least the Neo-Medic era of Nord history, perhaps even older. The trick to decipher old runes is finding one or two bits that you recognize and starting your translation with them. In this case, I spotted a rune that looked remarkably like the current pictograph for foul or stink. Beside it was a symbol I was certain meant spell or perhaps magic. So at least a portion of the intricate rune said something along the lines of foul spell or stinky magic. Perhaps cannabis? Who knows? I deciphered the rest of the runes without even needing to read them. It proclaimed that the sarcophagus was protected by an ancient Nord curse of the most odorous kind. Curses, however, have never hindered the great Narciss Dren. Yours truly has defeated all sorts of assorted tomb guardians, insidious traps, and hostile rivals. What's an ancient Nord curse to someone as amazingly competent as me? Not worth worrying about, I assure you. 
I was neither frightened by the curse nor dissuaded from pursuing my usual course. I placed both hands upon the sarcophagus lid as I prepared to slide the heavy stone aside. That's when a strange and not terribly unpleasant tingle ran up and down my arms and a bright white light filled my eyes. When the light faded, I found myself inside a cramped, cold space, surrounded by dry stone and total darkness. Somehow, I wound up inside the still-sealed sarcophagus. Perhaps I dismissed the threat of the curse a tad too soon. Hello, I said hopefully. Is there anyone out there? I knew that there wasn't. My lackadaisical assistant was outside, lounging around our campfire or probably drinking deeply from my most expensive flask of Flynn. At least there wasn't a body inside the stone coffin with me. That would have been awkward. I pushed with all my might, but the lid wouldn't budge. Now lesser men would crumble at a moment like this, but Narcissus Dren is not a lesser man. Quite the opposite. He's better than a lesser man. When I get into situations like this, I always ask myself, Self? What would Narcissus Dren do? And then it came to me. The Iron Ring. Its runes matched those on the sarcophagus. There had to be a connection. I strained to reach my pack, then dug around until I found the iron ring. I drew the ring out of my pack, holding it firmly with determination and dramatic purpose. I touched the ring to the stone lid. Nothing happened. I admit, that was a little disappointing. With a sigh, I slipped the large ring onto the second and third fingers of my left hand. I said the word, open, out loud, enunciating the syllable over and over as I worked my way through every language I knew. Again, nothing. Now I was beginning to become disheartened. I made a fist and touched the lid with the ring while wrapping my forehead upon the cool stone three times in fast succession. Why? Oh, just chalk it up to the old Narcissus Dren instinct. Another flash of white light obscured my vision. When it cleared, I was standing outside the sarcophagus, back in the secret chamber. The moral of my story, avoid tempting sarcophaguses at all costs. They're usually more trouble than they're worth. Testimonials on Bardell by Minerva Kalo, Associate Chronicler Bardell looms large over Vivek City, both literally and figuratively. The official explanation is remarkably vague. Apparently, the Mad Prince Sheagorath flung the giant rocket Nern. No one seems to know why or how. It's a curious account, even by Dark Elf standards. I took the question to the streets to see what the common folk think of Bardell. These were their stories. Names have been changed to protect the speakers from temple reprisals. I began speaking to a hari dark elf merchant named Tolvasa. She stopped sorting Kwama eggs just long enough to recount this tale. Oh, my mother used to tell me all kinds of bedtime tales about Bardow. I doubt any of them are true. My favorite was the tale of the lonely Magnagi. 
It begins at the beginning in the story. A star orphan named Una fled into the sky with all her brothers and sisters, but got lost in the dark. She cried out for help. But one by one, her stronger, faster kin fled into Aetherius. Eventually, their songs faded away and Una was left alone, adrift in the void. Just when she'd lost all hope, she heard a quiet sobbing. It was lonely Nern, stumbling through the black, weeping like a babe and trying to lull itself to sleep. Seeing a kindred spirit, Una sailed back to Mundus to comfort the lonesome planet. She named herself Bardow and nestled in close, right here above Vardenfell. Now the star orphan and Nern are never lonely because they have each other. Lovely story, isn't it? A Nord miner called Hodstag took a more pragmatic view. It's a gold mine, that's what it is. Mark me. There's some kid of precious metal in that thing. My mate's a geologist. Works for the Gold Coast mining operations, you know. He says it's got all signs of a rich deposit. He's a divining rod, see? It's a dwarf contraption, I think. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Anyway, he aimed it at Bardow, and the thing started chirping like a snow wren in springtime. All that's left to do is get up there with a few picks and get a sample. Been looking for someone who could float me up there. No luck, though. Say, you don't know how to make a float, do you? Of course, not everyone was keen to talk about Bardell. A grizzled longshoreman named Donovan had this to say. It's a rock. I don't know how it got there. Magic, I guess? Look. I've got work to do, all right? Get lost. Most accounts were fairly prosaic. Given enough time and exposure, even the fantastical becomes mundane. Of course, there were a few truly extraordinary accounts, like that of Tyrum, an excitable dark elf scholar. It's an egg, obviously. I often hear the wastrels and peasants calling it a rock. <laughs> Ignorant twaddle. Only a great fool could look at such an imposing celestial body and call it a rock. Bardow is the chrysalis from which will emerge the last child of Vivek and Molagbal's ill-fated union. On that day, our glorious Lord Vek will spring forth from his temple and do battle with the emerging nightmare child. After forty-seven days of pitched combat, Vivek will strike the final blow and cast the beast's ruin down into the frothing sea where it shall break into thirty-six pieces, none of which will be recovered. Should be quite spectacular and also horrifying. Perhaps the most colorful explanation came from an inebriated orc named Narkazug. What, that big rock? Yeah, it's a giant hunk of dung. No, seriously. The way I hear it, Vivek and Malakath were up late one night drinking and talking about godly things. You know how it is. Well, I guess you don't. Anyway, Vivek said something about ogres that, that rubbed old Moloch the wrong way. So he popped a squad over the city and dropped a stink pickle right on Vivek's head. Gross, right? Huh. That's Malakath for you. Does make me wonder, though. What is it with Malakath and dung? 
when I asked the doctrinal inquisitors for an official statement. This was the only reply. You'd be wise to leave such matters to the tribunal. The precise nature of Bardell is a mystery. Vivek's divine mercy keeps it from destroying us. That is all you need to know. Despite the temple's best efforts, the moonlit Bardell remains the subject of vigorous debate. Many long centuries after its arrival, the diversity of opinion is remarkable, especially in a city so thoroughly policed by religious zealots. I find it heartening that even in a society this restrictive, folk tales and wild theories can still bubble beneath the surface.